had a completely different way to start this. And uh, somebody came up to me just a little bit ago and handed me this note. And this person knew very, very, very little of what I was gonna preach about. And this note reads this way. Aquila, praying for you as you bring the word this weekend and probably one of the most important messages you've shared. We've got a story to tell and we have a story to share. Let's proclaim the name of Jesus, shall we? This week has been filled with sleepless nights for me. I've talked to a lot of our staff this week and I've said if this is the last opportunity that I would ever have to preach in our church, that this would be the, the message, this would be the sermon I would wanna preach. And it's heavy and it has eternal life implications. And the devil has been fighting me all day, telling me that I'm not worthy to stand up here and deliver this kind of a message. But he's not gonna win. Amen. And so I wanna tell you all a story about a guy that I met a long time ago. As uh, many of you know, some of my past, um, I played music in a lot of different places and this guy just happened to like how loud I, I yelled on stage and played music and um, we struck up a friendship and we became very close friends. And he followed my band around in my solo act for a while and it just so happened that me and this fellow were total opposites, totally different people. You see, I was in my mid to late 20s. I was wild. I was outgoing. I had a background in Jesus. I knew Jesus growing up, and I'd had a, a long falling away from that. And this guy was old and grisly and weathered. He had a ZZ top beard down to here. He wore leather cowboy hats. He was built like a fire hydrant. He lived out in the country. He had a big, big spot out in the country, fire pits, and old cars and old Harleys. He collected American Indian artifacts. And we got to be this unlikely duo of friendship that we had for many, many years. And it really was strange because we'd look at each other and say, I don't, I don't know why we hang out with each other. But that man was there for me in a time in my life when I didn't have a whole lot of older men in my life to support me on my way. And I was lost. He was kind to me. He cared about me. many nights that he made sure that I got home from the bars safe when I shouldn't be driving. He'd take me to eat. We'd share stories with each other. And then my friend got sick. 
and he was stuck at home. And I had, I had started to come out of that lifestyle and get plugged in here and following Jesus again. And so the places that I frequented a lot with him became fewer and fewer. And we stayed connected on the phone and through text and shared music with each other on Facebook. But seeing each other became fewer and fewer. And he got sick and he was stuck at home and I started making the long trek out there as often as I could to go see my friend. And he was sick. And I'd do things, take him groceries, try to take care of him. There's actually a guy in the room tonight that helped me get a wheelchair out there for him. And I knew I was supposed to tell him about Jesus. And I, I'd have this grand plan to go out there. All right, I'm gonna tell my friend about Jesus today. I'm gonna tell my friend. We'd have little conversations here and there, but nothing major. And then he really got sick and wound up in the hospital. For those handful of weeks that he was in the hospital, I, um, I attempted to get there to see him every, every day if I could, whether during the day or in the evening. And I had this burden and this weight on my heart for my friend. I wanted him to know Jesus. And there were several moments in those weeks in the hospital that I was able to speak that over him and talk to him about that, but he was, he was really, really sick. And he wasn't in much position to respond or have those conversations. And then my friend passed away. And I remember sitting in the back of the funeral home, playing guitar at his funeral. And I remember looking up there and I'm not, I'm not the one to decide this, God is the one to decide this, but I remember looking up there in that casket at my friend that I loved and asking myself, I don't know if my friend went to heaven or if my friend went to hell. And by the mood of the room right now, I think I'm not the only one in here that's had someone in their life that's passed or someone that is in their family or their friends right now that's in that same position. This is probably gonna be the most honest sermon I could ever share with you all because I'm talking about my own failures. We're not the only ones. We're not the only ones that struggle with this. I was uh, reading this week about a young evangelist named Billy Graham. Um, if you haven't heard of Billy Graham, you probably haven't turned the TV or radio on in the last 50 years. But a young evangelist named Billy Graham and one of our former presidents, JFK. And you've got this young, high-powered evangelist and this young, charismatic, well-loved president. And these two formulated a friendship in the 60s, in the early 60s. And they had conversations together about what it 
what it looked like after we died. And they had conversations together about who Jesus was. And they had a mutual respect for each other. And Billy Graham started to pour into JFK and speak into his life. And then in the spring of 1963, they were at the National Day of Prayer Convention and they were spending time there together. And as they were walking to JFK's motorcade, Billy Graham retells and recounts this story about how right before they reached the doors to the car, that JFK stopped and kind of had this perplexed look on his face before he reached for the handle of the door. And he turned around to Billy and he said, Billy, I'd like to invite you to come to the White House. I got something I'd like to talk to you about. And Billy Graham retells the story that he was just getting past the flu and he wasn't feeling real well, understandably. And he said, Mr. President, I appreciate the invite, but I'm gonna pass tonight, we'll do it the next time. So they went their separate ways. And in the fall of that year, JFK was assassinated and he was killed. And Billy Graham heard the news and he said, he retold in his autobiography that it was one of the biggest regrets of his life. He called it an irreplaceable moment. An irreplaceable moment that he's never gonna get back. And he doesn't know what JFK wanted to talk to him about, but it sure felt in his spirit that he wanted to talk about who Jesus was. And he said, I, I'm gonna go to my grave regretting that I didn't follow through with that talk. So we're not the only ones. If the great Billy Graham had trouble with this sometimes, we're probably gonna have trouble with this too. And so what I wanna do as we get into this message is talk about how we don't neglect or miss those moments because they are so important. I wanna spend some time out, some time together figuring out how we can capitalize on those moments. We on the same page here? So before we do, I would like for us to pray together and then we're gonna talk about how we can tell people about Jesus. Father God, thank you, thank you, thank you for your word, thank you for this church, thank you for these people that I love so much. Thank you for their love for me and my family God, I, I just pray that you would bless the reading of your word this evening. I pray that your Holy Spirit would fill this room. I pray that you would push the devil back to keep from distractions with people. You keep from distracting me, that I've been, been fought all day, and I say you have no place here right now. In the name of Jesus. We claim that. In Jesus' name we all pray. Amen. Okay. So um, we are in the last week right now. Everybody do this with me, because I need to do it myself. Everybody take a deep breath. I don't want to stay that heavy the rest of this time. We're in the last week of a four-week series called Don't Go to Heaven Alone. And um, 
It's been a beautiful, beautiful, challenging time. All this has been done under the umbrella of us talking about what it means to be a Jeremy. And when we say Jeremy, what we mean is our middle school pastor, Silas, had talked to us a few months back about somebody in his life that was a Christian influence named Jeremy that really showed him the way and poured into him. And he challenged us to be Jeremy's. And that's just kind of picked up steam at our church. And I've hearing people talk about who's your Jeremy or who are you being a Jeremy too? And so we've just kind of done this under our umbrella. Don't go to heaven alone. Who's your Jeremy or who are you being a Jeremy too? And so here's what we've learned in the last three weeks. We've learned a little bit about the hell is real and that um, when people don't have Jesus in their life, that there's a real good chance they're gonna go there. We learned how can we live to attract people to Jesus? How can we live attractive lives to attract people to Jesus? We've learned whatever it takes to lead people to Jesus. Whatever it takes to show people who Jesus is. And then now we're gonna talk about having a message. So what do you actually say when the rubber meets the road? Now, Dave um, is a lot better at putting these things together than I am. And so he used this slide behind me last week. And I said, hey bro, um, you think I can steal that and use it? And he said, yeah, as long as you tell everybody it's not yours. So here's how Dave put it together. Believe that some are lost, okay? We all know that. Do, live your life, be the example for people, okay? Feel inside, have this feeling, this desperation to do whatever it takes to lead people to Jesus. And then this week is say, so have a message. Have a message when that time comes. We are gonna be in 1 Peter today. And in the book of 1 Peter, um, Peter was writing to the churches that were currently being persecuted. Christians were being persecuted in those churches. He is writing to comfort them and to encourage them. And so we're gonna read this together. And it's in 1 Peter chapter three, um, verse 15 through 18 here. But in your hearts, revere Christ as Lord. Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have, but do this with gentleness and respect, keeping a clear conscience so that those who speak maliciously against your good behavior in Christ may be ashamed for their slander. For it is better, if it is God's will, to suffer for doing good than for doing evil. For Christ also suffered once for sins, the righteous for the unrighteous, to bring you to God. He was put to death in the body, but made alive in the spirit. So this was the passage that was handed to me. I'm reading this, I'm like, man, there's a whole sermon series just in this passage. There's so much good stuff in there. Um, here's some of the things that we see in there right off the bat. We see the following. Be gentle and respectful to people when telling them about Jesus. Nobody wants somebody in your face yelling at you, do you? I didn't, it didn't work with me and I'm sure it probably is not gonna work with anybody else. Have a clear conscience when you're doing this. Go into this with a clear conscience. It's better for us to suffer for doing some good than to suffer for doing some evil, right? That makes sense, that just makes sense. But here's what I want us to focus on today. There's a key phrase in there and it says this, always be prepared to give an answer. Always be prepared to give an answer. Always give an answer to everyone who asks you, where is it that you get this hope from? Because, y'all, when we're living it, it shows. 
when we're living it, that joy comes through, right? Always be prepared to answer why you have so much hope in your life. I wanna take this and I want to, I wanna condense this. I wanna make this as simple and understandable as possible for us. Because I want us to be able to take a few things out of here and out of, this, out of this message and actually be able to apply it into what we can start doing with it. So how can we always be prepared? How can we be ready when the time comes for us to speak? And what can we do to be able to give an answer for the hope we have? There's three things that I wanna to talk to us about. And if we can get these three things down in our life, we can be effective for the kingdom of God and we can make a difference for the kingdom of God. So here's the first thing, prepare for opportunities. Prepare for opportunities. This, this may be the hardest one to do, but the easiest one to explain. So here's what I mean by preparing yourself for opportunities. The deeper that you pursue Jesus in your own personal life, the more prepared you will be. The deeper that you pursue Jesus, it's as simple as that. This looks like this, time in prayer, dedicated study of the Bible, daily devotionals, being here in church together, meeting with other Christians and spending time talking about Jesus, sharpening your skills, asking God to use you when those opportunities do present themselves. Those times are gonna come when we least expect them. And I'd be lying to you right now if I said that this point didn't take a lot of work. Anything worth doing well, um, it's sometimes hard to do, right? It takes practice, it takes diligence, it takes discipline. But he did that all for us on the cross. It's the least that we can do for him. Be prepared. Be prepared for opportunities to speak into people. Work on those things in your life, Live, lead a disciplined life. Here's the main, here's the main thing that I want you to hear. Now we're not almost done, so don't get excited. Here's the main thing that we can take out of here and apply this in our lives, this'll work. Number two, my story, one, three, five. That's not a date. One of the guys was helping me put my slides up there earlier and they wrote January 3rd of 05. And I said, no, it's not that. This is a personal testimony, okay? Take five minutes, and this is powerful. You make it personal and real. And here's what, the, here's what this is. You develop a five-minute story, a five-minute testimony about what God has done in your life. And the one, three, five means this. Number one, it refers to a verse. One verse that you pick out, out of this Bible, that tells people why you are a Christian. If this is hard to pick one, because it was hard for me to pick one, but if it's hard to pick one, come see one of us. We can show you the different ones that really point to salvation and you can pick one from that. My personal life verse is John 16, 33. And we're gonna put it up here. And um, when I found this, it was at a time in my life where I didn't have peace. And so when I read this the first time, I remember it just, it just knocking me back in my seat. But I have told you these things so that in me you may have peace. In me, you may have peace. In this world, you will have trouble, but take heart, I have overcome the world. I have already overcome the world. 
I'm gonna explain more about that in just a second. You'll see why. The three in the 135 refers to the three parts of your story. All of us as Christians have three parts of our story. Simple as this. Here's the part of my story of where I was before I had Jesus in my life. Here's the part of my story where I found Jesus and became a Christian. And here's the part of my story of what my life looks like now that I live for Jesus. Easy, easy to remember. And the five means five minutes. Doesn't need to be longer than five minutes, but you gotta practice this, you gotta rehearse it, you gotta look at yourself in the mirror, you gotta memorize your verse, you gotta know what your life looked like before, during, and after, okay? So, um, I want to do this. I'm not gonna share my five minute story, but I'm going to ask somebody to come up here, and I'm actually gonna practice this on somebody so you all can see a little bit how this works. And um, I said I was gonna pick a random volunteer, but um, I think each service, I've already got my eyes on somebody. Um, there's a guy sitting right there in the second row, Mr. Joe Hedge. Oh, third row, I can't count. Joe, get on up here, bub. Boy, this is dangerous. <laughs> hey, I want, you, I want you to think. He doesn't listen to instruction too well if you guys don't know this, but. Now, before I, <laughs> I love this man. We got some history together. Before I hand you this microphone, I need two things from you. I need to know that you're not gonna say anything in this microphone that is anything other than yes. I right, go sit back down now. Okay. Yes. There's a reason why. I want you to just answer yes to everything, okay? What's your name? Joe Hedge. No, you're supposed to answer yes. Yes. No, I'm just joking. Everybody say hi, Joe. Okay. Hi, I'm everybody. Gonna stand, I'm going to stand right here. You're going to face me, okay? So here's what we're going to do. The reason I'm having him answer yes to everything is because when I tell this abbreviated transaction with him, interaction, um, the answer from the person standing here may not always be yes. So what I'm telling you is, we're gonna deal with stalls and objections in a later service. I'm gonna have Dave do that to deal with stalls and objections. Okay, so here's what I'm gonna do. I'm gonna act like I've got a little bit of a relationship with this guy. We know each other, that, we, that we're friendly with each other. There's some trust going on, and God's been pulling at my heart to tell him about Jesus, okay? Does that make sense? And so I'm gonna just come up, I'm gonna knock on the door. Knock, knock, knock. Hey Joe, are you able to talk? Yes. <laughs> Man, it's cool. This is easy. I love it. Um, hey, bud, you know, um, we've been friends for a while. Yes. We've been hanging out for a while. <laughs> you don't have to keep saying it. <laughs> we've been friends for a while. We've been hanging out for a while. And um, I feel like you respect me and I respect you. And we've got a, a nice relationship there. And um, I tell you what, man, I just wanted to know if I could have a couple minutes of your time. There's something God is just led me that I feel like I'd like to share with you. You know, you know I'm a Christian. I've talked to you about my faith periodically before, but could I, could I just have a couple minutes and share a couple things with you? Yes. Perfect. You know, um, I was reading my favorite verse today, in John 16, 33. And this verse says that I have, I have said these things to you so you can have peace. And in this world, you will have trouble. But take heart, because I've already overcome the world. And man, here's, here's why that's my favorite verse. 
Before I knew Jesus, I had no peace in my life. My life was chaos, absolute chaos. I was tired, I was dirty, I was depressed. I had no future, my family didn't wanna hang out with me and it, there was no peace in my life, no peace in my life. And the reason that I love this verse so much is because I love how real Jesus is. And Jesus says, I've come so you can have peace. But he also says that this life isn't gonna be easy. There's gonna be trouble in, in this life, but you can hold fast and take heart that I've already overcome this. And man, before I met Jesus, my life was a mess. My life was an absolute mess. And then I saw this verse, people started speaking truth into my life. I got a good church home and I accepted Jesus. I lived for Jesus, I was baptized. And a lot of that is because of this verse and mostly because I had people speaking truth into me. And since I accepted Jesus, and since I started living for him, my life has been wonderful. It's not void of trouble, but I have peace. I've found hope. I have a future. I have something to get up and be excited for every single morning. And you might think this is selfish, but I want that same thing for you. And so I don't wanna get weird here. I don't wanna force you into something that you're not comfortable with. But I tell you that because I love you. And all I wanna know is if, if I invited you to come to my church and sit with me, I'll meet you there and sit in a chair with me and start coming to church with me occasionally. Would you be open to that? Yes. You ain't leaving yet. Now, let me tell you guys something. That, that wasn't always easy for me to do. That, that took some work and that was hard. And the answer isn't always yes. But let me tell you a little bit about this guy. <clears throat> Um, this guy's only standing here because people spoke Jesus into his life. Because this guy used to be right there with me running around. And now, now we're here. And now we're standing on a stage talking to people about how to tell people about Jesus. Amen. And I love you. He's never worked out in his life either, I don't think. When can we do this? Timing on this is everything, y'all. Timing is everything, it's crucial, it's key. Let me, let me tell you the best place that I have, this works for me, it's not gonna work for everybody. The place that I have the most success and comfort level of talking to people about who Jesus is, is inviting them to go have a cup of coffee at a local coffee shop and just talking to them about Jesus. There's no pressure. If there's a little trust, a little relationship built up there, you can do it. You can do it. I love people that aren't Christians yet. Because I see myself in them. And I see that the same Jesus that took the cross for me took the cross for them because he is for everyone. He's not just for me, he's not for fancy church people, he's for everybody. Every single one of us. Know your story and be able to tell it with confidence. Here's the third one, God's gospel. Jesus loved us so much that he did not want us to suffer for our sins. This is, I'm gonna condense the gospel down in just a few short sentences. 
Jesus loved us so much that he did not want us to suffer for our own sins. And while we were still sinners, Jesus died for our sins. He took on our guilt and our penalty so we wouldn't have to. That's the gospel in a nutshell. Use God's gospel, use the scripture, use this. This tool is here for a reason. Use this to find out what it says about the gospel and speak that to people. We're gonna read these real quick together. Here's a couple easy ones. John 3, 16, for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. Right after that, you go to Romans 6, 23, and it says, for the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. So check this out. If we believe, repent, confess, and baptize, we, we overcome by the blood of the lamb and the word of our testimony. We have the assurance of salvation and the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. We, those that have all that, get to spend eternity in heaven forever. This is the gospel. This is the good news that we have possession over to tell others about. We possess the power to tell others about that. This three points, this be ready for opportunities, tell your story in God's gospel. I'm gonna sum this up. If we as Christians believe that heaven and hell are real and we are living our lives to set the example for others and that we will do anything it takes to show Jesus to people, then we have to have a message. We can't not have a message if we possess that. How selfish of us would it be to keep that for ourselves? If Jesus is a better deal than any deal that we will ever get, I take this right from Dave last week, I love when he said this, if Jesus is a better deal than any deal that we could ever get, then why aren't we sharing him with others? Always be prepared. If you had a lifetime membership to hit every lottery ticket that you scratched off and it was a $100,000 winner, would you share some of that with some other people? Uh, most, most of you will probably say, no, you're keeping it all for yourself. We'd share that. So why aren't we doing the same thing with Jesus? Why aren't we doing that? I believe Charles Spurgeon said it best when he said this. If sinners be damned, at least let them leap to hell over our dead bodies. And if they perish, let them perish with their arms wrapped about their knees, imploring them to stay. If hell must be filled, let it be filled in the teeth of our exertions and let not one go unwarned and unprayed for. I love there how he said, instead of saying no one, he said not one. Instead of just saying, let no one go, he said, don't let one slip by. Don't let one slip by if there's an opportunity. Psalm 40, verse nine says, I proclaim your saving acts in the great assembly. I do not seal my lips, Lord, as you know. David, King David, said that he would speak of God's faithfulness and salvation to those around him. And when we feel the impact of God's righteousness in our lives, we cannot keep it hidden. We cannot keep it hidden. We want to tell other people what God has done for us. 
Romans 1.16, for I am not ashamed of the gospel because it is the power of God that brings salvation to everyone who believes, first to the Jews, then to the Gentile. Our message is the gospel of Christ. It is the good news, it's the message of salvation, it's life-changing power, and it is for everyone. Do you guys see how we just rattle off a whole bunch of scripture right there? That's just a couple of them. This is full of things that give you an end to talk to people about who Jesus is. In, in John 12, 32, when I, and I, talking about Jesus is talking, and I, when I am lifted up from the earth, will draw all people to myself. The key word there is all. The key word is all. So if Jesus is drawing all people to himself, hear this, if Jesus is drawing all people to himself, shouldn't we be always looking for an opportunity to share the good news of Jesus and to help him in that process? Shouldn't we? Then why don't I do that all the time? Pride, fear, lack of preparation. We've all got different reasons. What would have happened to us if at some point, <clears throat> what would have happened if at some point somebody didn't open up their mouths and didn't talk to us and didn't share the good news of Jesus with us? What would happen to me before I worked here, before I found the call to ministry, what would happen to me if at Chase Bank, Richard Lindley didn't walk in there on his walker every week? A little short old man on a walker bent over and say, when are you coming to church, young man? And there were times I laughed at him. I didn't always say yes. There were times I laughed at him. But he had a story to tell and he was persistent and he was kind about it. And I didn't even know this was the church he was talking about. And the first time I walked through those doors over there and I walked into this commons hallway, I see him walking down the hallway on his walker. And I was blown away. I'm like, that's the old man from, the, from work. that's always invited me to church. And he looked at me and he winked and he said, I knew you'd be here someday. He had a story to tell. He didn't give up. It doesn't have to be complicated. His, his invitation wasn't complicated. It was simply come to church, man. Hey, young man, come to church. Here's some things that we can say that are easy. Jesus loves you. Jesus died for you. Jesus wants a relationship with you. Invite them to church. Invite them to come sit with you. Sitting there in a seat next to somebody and letting somebody stand up here and talk to them is a lot easier sometimes than telling them. Invite them to Easter. Here's a perfect opportunity. This is the first you all are gonna hear about this. Um, we're gonna be doing a call to be baptized into Jesus at all five services Easter next week. We're gonna be calling people to accept Jesus and to be baptized right then. So if you have somebody in your life, you've got a family member, a friend, someone in your life that you love and God's been laying it on, their heart, on your heart, man, I want them to meet Jesus. 
you better pick up that phone this week. Call them. Say, hey, come to my church. Come sit with me. I'll wait for you. I'll get you a cup of coffee. I'll sit in the chair with you. I'll sit next to you. We'll go out and have lunch afterwards. Let's talk about what, what, what we heard. It's an opportunity. Always be prepared. You don't need me to stand up here the rest of this time and tell you that we live in a fallen and hurting world, do you? A broken world. You don't need to tell me to tell you that evil is present and it's all around us. Turn on the news, go outside, drive around. You'll see it everywhere, everywhere. This world needs Jesus. Without him, there is no hope. No hope. And we possess the greatest gift that anyone could ever receive. So I'm gonna get personal. I'm gonna get down in our business for a minute. What would happen if we started telling everyone about our Jesus? What could have happened if I told my friend about Jesus sooner? What would have happened if Billy Graham had that meeting with JFK? I don't know where JFK was standing in his faith. I don't know. And Billy Graham says he doesn't know. But he felt like he was being invited back to talk to him about Jesus. What would have happened? What if we started talking about Jesus to each other instead of arguing about politics. This world needs Jesus. And please hear my heart. Please hear how sensitive I'm being to this. This world needs Jesus so people stop walking into our schools and shooting our children. When are we gonna speak Jesus over a perverse sexual generation instead of looking at them and judging them when they walk through our doors of our churches. When are we gonna stop looking at the people that are drowning in the bottle or dying from the drug addiction and looking at them and piling on them of you need to fix yourself instead of saying, can I share Jesus with you? Can I share some hope with you? We gotta get better. We gotta get better, church. There's hope in Jesus and we always have to be prepared. We've spent the last four weeks about not going to heaven alone and I've loved this series because I needed to be reminded. One thing that I've been taught here is preach this to yourself. I don't feel like I've ever preached anything more to myself in my life. I needed to be challenged. I needed to, uh, I needed to hear from my friend Daniel, who's talked to me over the last several months about one of his friends that he loves dearly and he wants him so bad to meet Jesus. Daniel, keep chasing your friend. I needed to hear from my friend Josh, who's been texting me all month since this series started and saying, man, I felt God moving in me to start planting seeds in people's lives. I come in contact with the public a lot and so I'm dropping seeds in people's lives when I go into their businesses. 
And I say, Josh, thank you because I need to see you planting those seeds. It's an example to me. I'm in admiration of my mother who has shown her understanding of doing whatever it takes and not giving up on somebody to show them Jesus. So I'm not very good at that sometimes. I wanna ask our worship team to come back out here. And in uh, just a minute, we're gonna sing a song. I want us to be humbled just a little bit before we do this. And no amount of preparation, no amount of putting our testimony together, no amount of prayer or anything matters if Jesus isn't the central most part of all of this. We've gotta remember that none of this is about us. None of this is about me. None of this is about you. All of this only happens because Jesus went to the cross he got laid in the tomb and on the third day he rose again. All glory, all power, all to him, nothing else. Nothing to us. The Bible says that everything that we have to offer him is his filthy rags. He is the one that makes us clean. It's by his power that the words we say can have an eternal impact on a dying world. It's his name and his name alone that can change people. So when things get hard, you don't know exactly what to say. When you get afraid, when you get fearful, church, you stand, you open your mouth and you just say the name of Jesus. Speak the name of Jesus boldly. Talk to my older friends in the room for a minute. We used to sing songs like Jesus, Jesus, just the mention of that name. Remember that? We used to sing songs, what about uh, no other name but the name of Jesus. To my younger friends in the room, now we sing songs that let me tell you about my Jesus. I speak the name of Jesus over you what a beautiful name it is. So when we start believing that we don't have to, but we get to tell people about Jesus, that's when things start happening. What are we gonna do in this church alone if 500 people in this church told one person about Jesus? And that one person that they each told all accepted Jesus came here and we were baptized and came to this church and they told a person about Jesus. Guess what church, before you know it, this is standing room only in this room and we gotta do something different. And that's just this church. I was at a conference this last, last year and I heard a pastor say, somebody asked how perverse this world is. And he said, man, this is the best time I've ever seen to be a Christian. He said, there's 8 billion people, some billion people in the world. There's more non-Christian people in this world right now than there's ever been in the history of mankind. The harvest is ready, let's go. When are we gonna start doing that? The same power that raised Christ from the dead dwells within you 
it dwells within me. The name of Jesus, the same name that the demons tremble at just at the sound of his name. Just the sound of the name of Jesus they tremble. The name of Jesus has no rival, no rival. The same Jesus that sets the captives free, the same name of Jesus that sits on the right hand of the Father in heaven, interceding for you, interceding for me. There's power in the name of Jesus. When you don't know what to say, when words escape you, when you're fearful, you stand and you proclaim the power of the name of Jesus. I, I am nothing without Jesus, nothing. I am nothing. But I am not ashamed. We are not ashamed. We exalt the name of Jesus. There's a line in this song that we're getting ready to sing. There's a line that says this. There's a hope that calls out courage. I'm gonna stand down here in the front in just a second as we sing. I don't wanna ask you to do something. I wanna ask you to have courage right now. I wanna ask you to be brave. If you're a Christian and God's been working on you like he's been working on me this week, to share your story, to share the name of Jesus with others, to speak the name of Jesus into others' lives, to proclaim his glory, to tell people that there is hope. When this song starts, I'm gonna come right down here. And I want you to come join me. And together we're gonna stand, we're gonna commit to each other, we're gonna commit to Jesus that we will do whatever it takes to take as many people to heaven with us as we can. Right now starts the time for us to always be prepared. Hear me on this. Don't go to heaven alone. Let's stand, come on down, let's do this together.